Who initiated the first kiss? Who is more romantic? Who is more stubborn? Who is more social? Who is a better cook? Who is the saver? Who is the most adventurous? Morning. Morning. How y'all doing? A lot of wonderful people here today. You guys ready for some good fun? Some great truths? Um, Listen, uh, we're the last week of this series, uh, way back to relationships. Uh, Last week, Pastor Dan did a great message on fighting. How many of you fought this week? A couple of you honest, thank you. The rest of you are liars. Anyway, hey, let's let Dan know we appreciate his message. We've mentioned this every week. Pastor John began the first two weeks, and uh, Pastor Chris helped the second week on a little panel. It was amazing. So please go back if you're just here today and haven't seen them. Uh, that'd be very good. So uh, on this uh, way back to relationships, I want to talk to you. Uh, I've had a relationship for close to 20 years uh, and I've invested in this relationship, I've nurtured it, I took care of it, I've had regular time together, all these things. I thought I'd just show you this relationship. we got a picture here on the screen. <laughs> all right, now, uh, yeah, Nancy's favorite car. <laughs> now, here's, the, I, I want to make a point with that. My relationship with this van is a lot longer than most marriages today. Wow. That's a sad thing, Okay. And the investment that we make in our material things sometimes is way more than the investment we make in our marriages. I want to change that today. I want to challenge you. I'm going to be a little crazy. I'm going to be Terry today, but we're going to have a lot of fun uh, looking at that. Now, I do want to say this. I, I think my mom and dad are watching. Today is our 68th anniversary. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I've watched a great couple grow. And what God has done in their life has been quite remarkable. And uh, health-wise has prohibited them to be here. But uh, as we've talked about JFC and the new building and all that, my mom and dad have been here from day one. They were at Cougar Run Elementary where the church began. They were at the uh, storefront where they moved from there. They were at the new uh, building at that time at Lone Tree that we just left. And they haven't been able to be a part of here. But we're going to sure get them there for the grand opening. And I think it would be a way to honor them and bless them. They've taught me a lot about marriage, both good and bad. It's important, all right? How many of you, your parents taught you something good or bad about marriage? All right, most of us, and that's an important part to understand this, all right? Now, uh, I have brought, and I've really worked at this. Uh, I've worked at this, all right? This message literally has been uh, preparing this for years, all right? And uh, this last month, I had pages and pages, and I've I've pared it down to about three hours. So um, (laughs) we're going to bring in the other crew at 11, so make room for them. Anyway, no kidding. All right, hey, I've, I've got really today a very simple tool the most important tool that will help you find out the problem in your marriage. How many would like to know that tool? Let's start with the women. All the women that are married, raise your hands real quick. All right, a lot of you here. All right, I brought it with me. The most important tool, all right, for finding out the problem in your marriage. I brought one for the guys. 
guys. <laughs> All right. I'm making a point. How many know that you're a problem in your marriage? Be honest. Let's talk about it. All right. Um, so today, uh, I've got three simple points. Uh, most pastors learn in school, uh, Bible college, uh, three points in a poem. Uh, I don't have a poem, but I got three points, and they all start with G, okay? Uh, this could be called the way back to relationships, the three G's of relationship. The first one is this, marriage preparation. I want to know how many of you are single today, because we're going to start with you. Many of you were my friends, single people. Raise your hand, all right? Many of you are wonderful friends. I, I admire our single people. Uh, I, I, I have always had many single friends uh, as married uh, person and, and, and just because I love relationships with people. But uh, I was single twice in my life. When I was a kid and a teenager, I got married at 18, okay? So I have a wide range and experience of being single before I got married at 18. And then um, a couple years ago, four years almost actually this coming Wednesday, my wife left me for a better situation. Many of you that know she uh, fought cancer and now she's with uh, a, a way better situation. She made her way to heaven four years ago. And so anyway, that left me for the first really time in my adult life as a single person. And for those that are single here, it gave me the opportunity to understand some of the difficulties of that. It's very hard being a single, all right? There's a lot of issues that came in that honestly, folks, when you're married, there's an opportunity to kind of not cover it, but work together and be a team. The Bible says two are better than one. I totally believe that. And so I had the story is this, like I really was at peace that Brenda was no longer suffering. Uh, I was at peace and there was a beautiful grace of God for several months in my life. I was encouraged. I was strengthened. And then I made the serious mistake that many single people, many people actually make, is I began to feel sorry for myself. Nobody here has done that. I'm sure. I'm the only one here. All right? I'm the, I'm the only one. And uh, I started thinking about my life in a different way. I was never angry with God, but I was questioning, Lord, we had a good thing going. How come you ruined that? How can you mess that up? She's a great grandma, great mom. Love JFC, love being a part of this. Love being a part of groups and the things we were doing. And so I just got in this funk. And I just started getting further and further and further away from God. And I decided, well, Lord, I probably don't need to pray much. I probably don't need to read my Bible much. I go to church because I like the people, but I don't know if I'm going to experience much from you coming. And I just went through this season. And I was in this season of singleness and, and made mistakes in that, things that I regret, things that I'm sad about, because I just began to have this self-focus. So if you're here today and you're single, I will tell you I really do understand, not only because of what I live, but because many of what you have shared with me. And how that desire is, and I remember, I don't like being single, I want to be married. And I brought some of that into marriage, and I'll explain that here in a moment, all right? But... I want to challenge singles here today with what God says for you at this time in your life. And it's a very important lesson, all right? And that's this, the first point, for marriage preparation, I grow as a single person. We're so inward focused about our needs and our desires that we just begin to lose sight of what we need to be doing in our own life. 
Paul, in which I'll use this references today in 1 Corinthians. Most amazing thing in 1 Corinthians, all right? I'll give you a little quick history. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul is addressing the new church in Corinth. Now, Corinth was kind of a cosmopolitan city. You had lots of belief systems. And these people were coming to know Jesus, all right? And they were bringing some of their belief systems into the church. It happens today, all right? And on one hand, you had these real religious, you know, really serious religious pharisaical kind of people. And then on the other hand, you had these pretty worldly kind of Christians, all right? And so, uh, just for an example, in marriage and in singleness... They had a lot of different things. And so in the beginning of chapter 7, one of the religious, it's a quote that was given to Paul, said it is not good for a man to touch a woman. All right? And the reference was this religious group says, even if you're married, you should not be involved in physical intimacy, which is not biblical. Paul addresses that then in chapter 7. All right? But then you have the other hand, the group of people that said, whoopee, let's party. Doesn't matter. Single, married, hey, it's all about, you know, the experience. And so that sets up this whole chapter. And I really encourage you, if you get time, take a deep dive into uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So he starts off with this in verse 7 and 8 because he's dealing with what people are talking about. And many singles have heard this, but I want you to really understand the importance of us as single people to grow. He says this, but I wish everyone were single. This is true. I'm not exaggerating. A lot of the married people that I know that got married wish they were single. A lot of the single people I know wish they were married. Y'all got to get together the right way. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) So anyway, Paul, who was a single man, and just so you know, many apostles were married, but Paul was single. And he writes, I wish you all were just as I am. It was his own personal preference. And he said, yet... Each person has a special gift from God. So this is a good time, all right, to realize that in singleness, God sees that as a gift. God sees your marriedness as a gift. So I say to those who are not married and to widows, it is better to stay unmarried just as I am. Now, if you're single, you're you're hearing that and you're like, oh, that sucks. I do not like that verse at all. Paul missed the mark, all right? Then he goes down in verse 32. I want you to be without concerns. An unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. There's the key right there. There's the beauty of that, all right? Um, Like I said, I was single for the first time of many, many, many years, 45 years of my life, uh, and you know what I learned? There are some good things about being single. You didn't have to share the remote. You didn't have to watch Hallmark movies. All right, you guys are chicken. I'm disappointed. Give me your man card. Come on. You could eat what you want, when you want, how you want. Y'all tracking with this? Okay. All right, you can go out with whom you want, when you want. You can have your own life and you literally, and this isn't a bad thing, only pretty much have to think about yourself. And you get into this nice rhythm of self. You don't have to worry about the needs of your spouse. 
You don't have to consider those things. And what Paul is saying to single people, hey, let's look at what this great gift and opportunity for you is to do, is to just really focus on growing your life, growing your relationship with God. This is not Dr. Seuss. This is uh, Terry. Where you go, there you are. Come on now, that was deep. I worked hard at that. I rephrased that four or five times. <laughs> Dr. Seuss would have been proud. All right, I'm going to give you a real, real, real important question. I want you to think about this if you're single today. Please know this. It is love for you, but I want God's best for you. And I want to ask you this. Would you marry you? Sure got quiet. All the married people were amen in that. Single people, I don't want anything to do with that. Listen, you know you better than anybody. Better than the person you're dating and giving your best side. Y'all know what I'm talking about. All right? You know your weirdness. You know your shortcomings. You know your stuff. All right? Now remember, somebody would come into that relationship and have to deal with you. Some of you are hard to deal with. I'm being honest. I'm being loving. These are people I know and love. Sometimes you're weird. Okay? I was weird. I'm weird now. It's the reality. Okay? So I want you to think about that because I wanted to expose in you just some of the shortcomings that you may have as a single person and that God intends you to grow in that. And so I've got a couple things, and I'm going to phrase this with married and singles is this. I want to give some practical advice, and then I want to give some spiritual advice. And the practical advice, grow in character and attitude. Because when we do get selfish, we do really tend to think about ourselves. And I want you to look at this opportunity. I don't care what age you are, if you're a young single or an older single. Hey, we can always be growing and developing in our life characteristics and attitudes that are attractive to other people. Amen? All right. The second thing is grow in your preparation and your purpose. This idea of who you are and what you're here for is very important. Paul addresses this idea, understanding that you're in a certain place in your life. And there is a purpose in that. There is a reason for that. And I know some of you have been single a long time. And you've said, Terry, I just, I had a guy come up to me uh, uh, after Brenda died. And I started uh, being uh, with Nancy. And I love this guy. He is the funniest, wittiest guy. He writes the weirdest emails. I love him. I won't tell you who he is. He, he's like bullet points, and they're all funny. And it's like, but he came up to me and he said, hey, Terry, he said, uh, uh, man, it's just not fair. So well, what do you mean? He said, you get two good looking women. I can't get one. <laughs> How come? <laughs> you want me to answer that? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, God likes me more than you. I mean, what are you going to say? You know, anyway. But this idea, folks, seriously, instead of just being so self-consumed, begin to look at the opportunities. You have time and resources to serve people in loving, wonderful ways. You have opportunities that you can't really understand until you invest in them. Grow in your preparation and purpose. Please hear that. That means you are more attractive to someone else. I am not picking on you today. I need you to know that. I care about you. I want you to have what God wants you to have. All right? Paul in this chapter addresses the fact that some people, and I believe with all my heart, very few people are called to singleness. We have some amazing people that we support in ministry and missions who I love with all my heart. 
Larry Good in Peru is called to a single life. All right? He'd taken three Peruvian kids and adopted them, and he's raising them as a father. I asked him, would he ever be married? He's a wonderful man, but he said, no, I'm called to this. Now, understand what that means. Had he had a wife, he could not be doing what he's doing. All right? We had uh, Dan Bauman, was it yesterday, uh, give a talk Thursday. Dan Bauman is a single man. The things that he can do and the impact he can make is phenomenal. Now, you may not be called to missions, but God has a place and a purpose for you right now. And you have to understand, you have to seek that. Spiritual advice. Grow in your faith. Grow in obedience. Okay? Now, I know Paul's addressing physical intimacy there. And this is a touchy subject, and I'll be careful with it, all right? It's easy to make mistakes there. It's easy to fall into that. It seems like, and I'll come back to this, what the world wants to sell us is sex and divorce. Sex for single people, divorce, well, sex for married people, that's another issue, uh, and divorce, okay? We buy into that too easy, all right? I don't want to preach at you here. I, I know this is an issue. I know many of you deal with this. And I was thinking, what could I say here? You know, it's easy to fail here. I understand that. It is a desire. I had a single guy said, Terry, I was married for years. I crave that again. I understand that. I don't fault that. That's something that God put in us. But it has to be in a context. And we will hurt. I, I, I don't even know how to go into this. Men, there's an emotional tie that happens with women when you get involved in a physical sense. It affects your relationship and not in a positive way. It may be a great moment and it may be great fun, but it's going to affect that. It's going to hurt someone. All right. Now, I know this may sound dumb, but let me just say this. Before you get naked together, say, would Jesus like us to do this? Would he be pleased with this? Now, I know you're not usually thinking of that time. You just had wine and dinner and you're thinking other things. But maybe stop before that and say, hey, is this what Jesus would want for us? Because what he has set is these boundaries that are important for us. And I know we fail and God forgives us. But I want to challenge you to move to a different place in your faith and in your obedience. The last thing is grown ministry opportunities. We talked about that. How are you serving the kingdom of God today? What are you doing to serve the kingdom of God? All right, we have many people, people I love that are single, who are some of our greatest workers in our church. Our married people are too, but I love the fact that many of these. Listen, we have some single men I personally know that have just got together and helped people who are in need move. Maybe a widow or divorced woman that needed help and then done construction, things like that. We as single people, when you're there, can do amazing things in ministry opportunity. So for singles, really take heart this idea of grow. Second, marriage partnership. We, this is for married folks now, we grow together. Okay? Marriage, Nancy sent this to me. I thought it was a great quote. Marriage is like a deck of cards. In the beginning, all you need is two hearts and a diamond. <laughs> By the end, you wish you had a club and a spade. Come on, can I get an amen? That's good stuff. I will tell you one of my most favorite things is weddings. I love weddings. I love doing weddings. So I asked some folks that I've married, uh, I want to do something today. If, if I married you, we did our, our premarital counseling, would you just stand? I want to honor you. All the folks that I did, would you just stand? Okay. Love you guys. 
Hey, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing, okay? All right? Now, I will tell you, I can look at every one of these folks and tell you we had a great experience. I can tell you they have gone into marriage with the beautiful hopes and dreams and have had struggles, all right? But I am so proud of all of you here today, standing here today, as a representation, all right, of marriage. Now, you stay standing, okay? Anybody here married 10 years or less, stand. If you're here today and you've married 10 years or less, okay? Some newlyweds, all right? 20 years or less, stand. Okay? Between 20 and 30 years, stand. Okay? Anybody over 40 years, stand. All right? Anybody over 50? All right? My bass man. I love this guy. You guys. All right. Uh, everybody but you guys sit down. Anybody over 50 years, stay standing. Okay? John? Okay. All right. Anybody over 60 years, stay standing. Uh, we lost you. Okay. Listen. Thank you. When I see my parents at 68 years, there's so many reasons I'm glad. I shared a few years ago their message. They got married young. They had me and they split. My mom was staying with her mother. My dad was not a believer, living a pretty wild life. God got a hold of his heart. He came to Jesus. He got a hold of my mom. It's back then when you had dial phones. Anybody remember those? <laughs> he called mom. He said, something's different. I want our marriage to work. She came to church. She came to know Jesus. All right, I was three years old. My life is different because of that choice. My life is totally different because of that choice. Not only would I not be here today, I don't know where I would be. All right, but their model of marriage was a very important thing to me. All right. Now, I will say this, and, and, and look, at you guys that have been married, all of you that stood up, there's a lot of mysteries in marriage. How many men are confused? <laughs> it's okay. I admit it. You know what? The Bible says that a wife is a helpmeet. There's a reason we need help. We are confused. Is there any guy here that gets the idea of 20 pillows on a bed? Not a single guy here. Single men, there's not a pillow on your bed. You don't even make it. You get in, you go to bed. We're happy if you wash once a month. All right, what about decorative towels? No, you can't use that towel. Why? It's decorative. Okay. Sometimes it's better to be single. Some of you guys, the same issue with towel. You've been using the same towel all year. And it's okay, you know? If you've been around, I've shared the story. Brenda and I got married. I was 18. She was 21. And uh, we, had, we had many, many years of real difficulty. I was a pastor, and I struggled. I, I was, I was a somewhat of a hypocrite. I would teach marriage classes, and I could teach what God said, but I didn't live it. And I caused a lot of hurt, a lot of pain in Brenda's heart. And God got a hold of me, and Pastor John, the first week, talked about Ephesians 5. 
And the Lord did something in my heart and did a miracle change of my heart. And we began then on a path of building the right marriage God's way. And it turned out really good, all right? But we had many years of that. So here's the reality, okay? Um, I uh, meet Nancy and I felt like, you know, uh, if, if I could ever just, you know, get her to think about marrying me, it'd be a pretty good deal. Uh, I, did, I, put it, I pulled it all out. The romantic thing, that is me. I, every day at her office, I'd bring stuff. I would cards. Uh, I should own Hallmark cards by now, but anyway. Uh, flowers, gifts. My love language is gift giving. And, 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 and I think she just got like, this guy's weird. <laughs> it scared her. She told me like it scared me, you know. And so here's the reality. I want to talk to you about this, okay? We all have dreams and desires, men and women, different things in marriage, okay? What your marriage might be like. I had that with Brenda, and we got into it, and her dreams and desires and mine conflicted, and we had a lot of troubles. And so I thought, well, I, I learned a lot from that. I'm good to go. I know how to do this. And I got into the relationship with Nancy and uh, dreams and desires, okay? And, and somewhat in marriage, uh, uh, whether you're young and first marriage or old, um, you go into marriage, all right, now listen, either you go into marriage wanting to avoid what you've seen in marriage. You know, Nancy and I talked about her, her marriage and her first marriage and that, that she wanted to be in a relationship that she felt safe. Her home didn't have the intimacy that maybe it could have and it made she wanted safe. So she was avoiding that. Like me, I, I went into marriage wanting what I saw in my parents, okay? So either we want to uh, repeat something we've seen or avoid something we've seen. And that was true in my marriage to Nancy, all right? I came in with these desires and expectations, all right? I wanted her to love me like I had been loved. And I was so unfair to her. And I appreciate her kindness and grace to hang in there, all right? We had a lot of struggle sometimes with things. All right, and we had these things. But all of us have these dreams and desires, what marriage would be like, okay? You want to know what it would be like, you know, a house with a white picket fence or uh, uh, money and vacations and, oh, warm and cuddly and watching Hallmark movies and, anyway, um, <laughs> those kinds of things. I had one, and Nancy, you're going to love this. She does not know I'm doing this, but um, every man, all right, every man, I'm just telling you right now, has a dream and a desire of what his wife will not wear to bed. <laughs> Guys, can I get an amen? <laughs> right? So we had, we had discussions, you know? And, and, and honestly, you know, what man would think it's necessary for his wife to be comfortable and warm when she sleeps? Just saying, just saying, now the wife should amen that. So this is a little example of so many things, all right? And so I, I was just thinking about this. I actually had a meeting today or this week with a couple, and they'll remember this, okay? When uh, marriage, it isn't hard, but it's work. But it's hard if you don't work. Uh, what Paul says uh, later on, right after the verse we read earlier, he says this in uh, verse 33 and 34, but a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities, how to please his wife. 
Let her have the pillows on the bed. Don't use the decorative towels. His interests are divided in the same way. A woman who isn't no longer married, has never been married, can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. So Paul's pretty clear and said, listen, when you get married, you're in that for your spouse. I'm going to challenge you to look at the opportunity that you have every day to please your spouse. It's very important, okay? And I, I, I use this example. I use my hands, okay? When you do it God's way, where you have dreams and desires and all that's important, but when you do it God's way, you're open and you merge together and it works. See what I'm saying? Does that all make sense? Here's what happens, okay? Believe it or not, it takes two. If one is closed and the other's open and you try to merge, it doesn't work. Or if both are broken, it doesn't work. And so what we have to do early on in a lot of marriage or in some of our pre-marriage stuff is to try to help couples be this instead of this or this. I know that's a elementary visual but it's true and it works all right the problems of when we are closed or broken all right creates issues that you have to deal with how many have done that in your marriage okay and we don't really we come in with this dream and this expectation all right so I want to give you practical advice I know this is simple and many of you know it but I'm going to tell you how important it is Grow together in love language. Grow together in love language. All right, I give every couple I marry the book, The Languages of Love, okay? It's amazing, all right? And when you learn this, it's very important because you understand you could be communicating love all day long, but it's not being heard. It's like this. How many of you speak another language? Anybody here? Spanish, French, English, whatever. It's like when we go on a mission trip to Spain, you know, Mexico, Peru. It's like if we think this, and this is true in marriages, if we say it slower and louder, they're going to understand. <laughs> How many do that in your marriage? I said, did you understand? Not at all. Not at all. So grow together in love languages. Get that, all right? And understand the value of that. Nancy and I, we've talked about this a lot. As a matter of fact, we did a little exercise, uh, uh, I think it was last week. We said, let's take those and rank them of least necessary, okay? Like, okay, like, if you're not a, if you don't care about gifts, and that's, okay, that's important. You, there's issues when you're a gift giver and your spouse is not interested in gifts. But you have to understand that there is their expression of love. And you have to look at it that way. And I learned that, honestly, with Brenda, and it was amazing. It was a true, beautiful moment uh, before we even had the book, but to be, understand that. Mine is gift-giving. And the way that I feel loved is touch, okay? So I am the cuddler. So confession be true. I would watch a Hallmark movie just because I could cuddle. That's the only reason, okay? Now, Nancy's love language is acts of service. We used to joke because I would do all sorts of things, but I'm kind of like jumping around on things, and we've defined a new uh, language similar, acts of service completed. It's true. She'll say, she'll say, 
Yeah, Cindy's my admin. You are not supposed to amen that. I'm telling you. She's my finisher in so many things. Anyway, but that's value. Grow together, the second thing, in understanding your differences, all right? Um, what helped us, and I don't think we would have furthered our relationship without the Enneagram. It's a great tool. I'm a big fan of it. It really identifies nine personal characteristics of a person. And, and I'm a two, which is a helper. And I'm a seven, which I just love, enjoy life. And she is a, uh, a one, which is a, a reformer, and three, which is a tasker, and a seven. Okay, so she just, again, saw me as this weirdo because all I wanted to do is help her and have fun. And she wanted jobs completed. <laughs> well, we worked through that, but it, 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 actually the conversation was, I don't know if we would have got this far to marriage without that. And so even if you're married, now that in our premarital, I always do the Enneagram along with the love language thing, okay? And it helps people understand their differences. But you have to not just know it, you have to understand how to live that. It's very important, okay? I ask all of our teaching team this. It's really good, all right? I ask them this. Based on what we've talked about today, how many years you've been married, the spiritual principle that took your marriage to grow to the next level, and then a practical principle that helped your marriage grow. Pastor John, married 38 years, okay? <clears throat> and a spiritual principle. Well, let me just tell you, I got to do Pastor John and Chris's wedding, Okay? But it wasn't my first. My first wedding was my brother, Kevin. He's here. Kevin, hey, Danelle. Now, look at They're still together, okay? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no, they've done, Danelle's done the hard work. Kevin, he's a lot like, no, I'm kidding. And, and listen, we've, we've, they've gone through a lot. And they've, they, got, they got this figured out. They have an amazing marriage. Jeff, their son, is our tech team, and the other two boys Great kids. Anyway, the point is this, all right? When you look at the length of marriage and we ask these questions, they're from different stages and there's good things to hear. So I do want to share it. Pastor John said the spiritual principle was this, loving like Jesus loves. He says Ephesians 5 is manifest in different ways. You've learned that over the years. You've heard a lot of his story. The practical principle is this, embracing who she is and her place supporting a changing identity. You guys that have been married 30, 40 years, you understand that. You do change, okay? I'm telling you, men, any men confused? <laughs> Just when I figured her out, she'd change. Seriously. Like, oh, I got this, I got this woman thing figured out. And then she would change. And I, I got this. And the, you women, quit changing. No, God made you that way, and we want to celebrate that. Jake, he's been married 24 years. All right, he got married at 12. No, not really. A uh, spiritual principle that he shared is the priority of putting God first. You can be the best husband when you are solid with Jesus. We're going to get to that. The second thing is trying to get what needed from each other and not from God. I came into my marriage with Nancy wanting to be loved in a certain way. And when I got to the where, I realized that she wasn't going to be the one to give that love. She will be a great wife, but the Lord had to do something in me. He had to change me to not be so desperate to be loved. Does that make sense? Yeah. I really wanted to be loved. And God wanted to do something in me and through me. I asked her the other day, listen, men, men, I'll, I'll get to get something in a minute. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, practical principle Jake shared is this. 
the love languages, it helped big time in communication. Kate and JJ, they've been married 10 years. Spiritual principle is this, allowing, this is great, allowing, it's a 10-year marriage, allowing spiritual leadership to form. She, as a woman, was carrying a weight was more than she could handle. She moved from the worldview of a woman being so in charge and large to the biblical view of wanting to try to manage his leadership. He had to grow in confidence. Sometimes our culture has identified not a biblical principle in that. And sometimes men will sit back and let you women lead. And you will be disappointed and frustrated that he's not a leader. But you have to make room for that. It's a great thing that Kate shared. Um, The practical thing is uh, personality assessments, the Enneagram. Understanding, this is what she said, the why someone does what they do. All right, and then she wrote communication. Last is Daniel, married for seven years. Spiritual principle, many things, but the power of praying together has transformed our marriage. I believe that's so important. I believe... That is so valuable. And you don't have to be a spiritual giant to pray together. All right? There's a real good prayer. Oh, God, help me. That works. He cares. They're they're, a practical thing, learning each other's love language and fulfilling them. Also, finding time to spend together in the midst of having little kids, school, and jobs. Many of you are in that place. I know many of you have little kids. And it's a tough thing to find that, okay? All right, so all of those things are true, okay? All right? So it's important, all right, to look at this, all right? Last point, marriage perfection. This is it. We grow up. We grow up. Three things that a husband should never say to his wife. You're just like your mother. Shut up or grow up. Nobody here has ever done that. Man, it is real quiet. <laughs> Wives, how many of your husbands done that? We're going to out them right now. I did those things. First time I told Brenda to shut up, I learned there. I've never told Nancy to shut up. She'd kill me. There's an old, it's, it's a really an old diagram of a, of, of a, of a triangle. And, and husband and wife and God at the top. And the closer you grow to God, the closer you grow together. It's simple, but it's really true. It is very important that you are growing up in your faith, in your walk with God, all right? Relationships do not stay in neutral. You are either moving upward or downward. You cannot just stay neutral. You think you can, but things are eroding without your knowledge if you're not moving forward, all right? Much of our problems in marriage are more about you and God than about you and your spouse. Do I need to hold this mirror up again? So let's talk about this. When dreams and desires of marriage, all right, are not met, we get to this place of expectations. See, dreams and desires, okay, it's about us, but when you get to expectations, it's about you and what you want, what you want and need and what your spouse wants and needs, it's trouble. Because what expectations do, it's a heavy weight. And you get bitter and angry because you're assuming they are not carrying their load, doing their part. The Bible talks about this, the idea of rights and submits, okay? It's important here, all right? Uh, I'll say this, when I win, she loses. 
when I win. Larry, Nancy, you counsel all the time. If I need to win, she loses. All right? When the I wins, the we lose. Do you want that in your marriage? Do you want that? Do you think God wants that? There's a beautiful example in Scripture of what a marriage should be. Jesus won by losing. It's called a cross. It's called a death. And men, I will tell you, you are the initiators of the Jesus-like love. If you will choose to lose and die to self, you're going to see a resurrection in your marriage. I believe that from God for you today. I think that's important. And so when you look at all these expectations, okay, there's many of them, all right, that you might have, all right, in the area of intimacy, in the area of money, in the area of decisions. It's like, like all these areas of our life. It's like, you know, even like a calendar, okay? Like when you get married, many of you may be newlywed, you talk about holidays, okay? And wives are brilliant. They say, look, let's just split this, okay? I'll only take three holidays, uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Easter. You get the rest. You get Groundhog Day. Whoopee. Not a lot of fun with Groundhog Day. I can work with Valentine's Day, though. I'm telling you that right now. <clears throat> Men, you be like Jesus. You die to self. Now here, women, listen. You be like Jesus. Because before that cross came one of the most beautiful, touching moments of submission in Scripture. In a garden, Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. Now, the beauty of this is men are dying to self and women are submitting. It'll work. This can happen. And if you're frustrated in your marriage and you're struggling, I'm challenging you today to go back to this place. All right? Make room for God to do what you and your marriage could not do. All right, there's a path upward in this verse. I'm going to finish with this verse and then we'll, we'll be out of here. <clears throat> All right, put this verse in your marriage. Again, Peter, a married man, he's talking. He's not necessarily talking to married people, but he says something really good. I'm going to read it. His divine power has given us everything required for life. Is your marriage, is your singleness required for life? Yes. And godliness through the knowledge of him, God's plan, his kingdom, his understanding, who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us a great and precious promise, so that through them you may, here's what's good, share in the divine nature. God intends for you to have a divine marriage. God intends for you to be a divine single person. That is his plan and purpose. Now get this, Peter's got it. Escaping the corruption that is in the world, much of our problems in marriage is based on a worldly flesh view because of evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness. I'm reading this fast because I'm going to highlight them in a moment. Godliness with brotherly attraction or affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are, in, are yours and are increasing, are growing up, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because see, God wants you to know him. He wants you to know what your marriage was intended to be. So there's amazing promise to the divine God-honoring blessed marriage or single life. He says this, 
His divine power, so it's God, has given us everything we need. If you are not walking and operating in that, you are not uh, receiving that divine power. Trust me, it is a real deal. <clears throat> so, instead of corrupted worldly desires, let me just highlight this. Faith. Some of you have given up your belief in God. Meaning you come to church, you believe in God, but you don't believe God will change your marriage. You don't believe God will change your singleness. You have given up. You have lost your faith. Let me just tell you, God is able to do this. One of the things that, Nancy, that when I went through the single period, let me tell you, I just thought nobody would ever marry me. I'm an old guy, you know. I, I went to the doctor this week, okay, and uh, I had a, a, a meeting, and he told me that I had a, a, a disease called FAT. <laughs> so anyway, I got to work O-U-T. The, the point is this, okay, he was actually telling me something very interesting. The divine against the evil corruption. He's a believer, great guy. He's gone on a mission trip with us many years ago. Uh, he lost his wife about three and a half years ago. I said, how's that going? Told him how happy I am to be, dated, or to be dating and married to Nancy. And he's, he said he went, his first date, he went out. A younger woman, he's about my age, a younger woman, late 40s. Uh, they had dinner, and at dinner she says, okay, do we go to your house for sex now? He didn't date her again. Okay. The, the world has this corrupt view of what intimacy is. God has perfect, beautiful intimacy. And when you operate in that. So your belief in your relationship with God is very important. And that leads then, when you establish that foundation of faith, it leads to goodness. Goodness in your marriage. All right. How many of you men have been mean at times? Dumb pillows. Get those pillows off that bed right now. Can't use this towel. I'm going to sneak in there when she's not looking and dry my hands off. You're going to be mean, okay? We can be mean by not knowing that we're mean. Even the inflection of our voice can, can communicate resentment. Then there's that the goodness leads to knowledge, not ignorance. Everything you learn about marriage is important. Read marriage books. Learn how God wants you to be as a husband and a wife. Knowledge then with that understanding will lead to self-control, not selfishness, that then will lead to endurance, not quitting. Please, I would love to spend a whole message talking about what divorce does. Many of you are divorced. I married a divorced woman. I know from her life what pain and difficulty that caused her. If you're here today and you're struggling in your marriage and you're wondering if divorce is the way out, I will send you letters and people you can talk to that thought that was the way out and regret it to this day. It is not God's solution. It is a worldly solution. If you are divorced... God has redemption for you. God still has a plan. We don't, we don't judge divorced people, but I will tell you this. I'm going to fight for marriage. I'm going to fight for marriage. I want that for you. But don't quit. That leads to godliness, not worldly or fleshly. That leads to affection. All right, no withholding. All right, there's an author in uh, Colorado Springs does a marriage ministry called Heart to Heart. He said that in marriages, there's a sin of withholding. All right, I'm going to make you pay. Okay, you want physical affection, you're not going to get it. You want this, you're not going to get it. All right, we may not say it, but we do it. And when you do that, you are missing what God has. The great privilege of being married is to never withhold. I told Nancy last night, I said, every time I can say yes, I want to say yes. Every time. Okay, why not? Why? What do I get by saying no? All right, because then when that really is something, a conviction of no, she will truly respect that. 
So I want to say yes as often as I can. All right? So this affection is important. No withholding. And last, that leads, listen, this grows up into love. There is not indifference. The opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. I'm not ignorant. There are people here today, whether you're single or married, and this applies to single people as well, that are just indifferent. You have lost the faith. These will help you grow upward in your marriage. Singles and married people. But I want to say this. All right, I titled this message, Three G's of Relationship. And before I came, the Lord just said, you need to add a fourth G, and that is grace. I don't want you here beat up today. I don't want you feeling you suck at this or you've blown it or whatever. If you're single, if you're married, today is the day to begin to believe in God for his future and his plan for you. I am so excited about what can happen. Can you imagine if all of our singles and marrieds here just get in right place with God and start living that out and the excitement that would happen in marriages and single life? We have a lot of things going on. We're going to have some marriage group. We've got a singles group that gets together and do activities. All right, we'll communicate those. But the point is this. I want a church filled with the joy of the Lord. All right? The Bible uh, is really important about that. Uh, we had the uh, neurotheologian came, talked about our brain is wired for two key emotions. One is fear and one is joy. And if you're operating out of fear, you are not operating at what God intended for you is joy. I want your marriage to be joy-filled. I want you to get to 68 years. I want to see that for you, all right? And if you're single, celebrate that. Enjoy that. Have joy in that because it's a place in your life. Let's pray. Father, uh, this is such a message that has been a part of my heart for years and understanding the opportunity we have today and to challenge people with this idea. If there are those here struggling, Lord, you have the power of redemption. I personally know that you change hearts, and I pray for that. Lord, it may be instant or it may be a process, but give everyone here the commitment to build great marriages. Give everyone here that is single the desire to celebrate you and to grow in you in this season in their life and to trust God with their future. For those that want to be married again, Lord, help them become the kind of person that they would marry in their spirit, in their practical ways. Thank you for this church and the amazing people. In Jesus' name, amen.